listening to a podcast of Elam Lutheran Church in Osakis, Minnesota. Our passion is to be an oasis of life-giving water where lost and wandering souls can find eternal refreshment. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, please visit osakiselamchurch.com. Or if you're in the area, come visit us in person. Who are you? How do you think you would answer that question? Who are you? Maybe you'd give your name, but then what? Maybe where you live, what you do for a living, your age, your weight. Well, maybe not that, but you'd tell about some of your hobbies, your favorite kind of music, your talents. What makes you, you? If you're anything like me, there's probably a little bit of hesitation there because we're not 100% sure of our identities. Who am I? Well, I'm not 100% certain of what I would say. But Jesus is different. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. He says boldly and confidently, The people in Jesus' day really didn't know what to do with him, with someone so secure in his identity. In fact, when Jesus made all of these statements, which is what we're walking through during this Lenten devotional series, we call them the I am sayings of Jesus. But when they heard this, they were utterly outraged. They even picked up stones to stone him, to to kill him at one point. Well, why would this be? Because Jesus was claiming to be God. See, the word Yahweh, the Old Testament name for God, it literally means I am. And in fact, it was so holy that they wouldn't pronounce it when they were reading the scriptures out loud. So when Jesus shows up on the scene and he starts claiming, I am, I am, I am, he's just not speaking metaphorically. He's claiming he is Yahweh. And tonight, Yahweh, a.k.a. Jesus, is the good shepherd. So here's our text for tonight. This comes from the Gospel of John. Most of these, well, all of these I am sayings that we're going to be covering come from the Gospel of John. This is chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. This is immediately following what we spoke about last week, where Jesus identified himself as the gate or the door. Uh, And now he says in, in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you for your word tonight. I pray that during our time together here, God, these short few minutes, that you would open our eyes and our ears to see and hear you as you are, to see you as the good shepherd, and to see our need for a shepherd. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I am the good shepherd, is what Jesus is saying here. Wonderful, we think. What a beautiful picture. Maybe your mind jumps to Psalm 23, and we have all this wonderful pastoral imagery, right? We've got the calm waters that we lie down beside. We have the the green pastures, and and so many of these pictures that we see painted are are just wonderful, beautiful scenes, and, and rightly so. We find a lot of comfort in this image of Jesus as being a shepherd. But here's the thing. If he's the shepherd, what does that make us? Sheep, right? How does that strike you? You're not a tiger. You're not a silver panther. You're not a lion. You're not a Viking. And no, believe it or not, you're not even a silver streak. You and I are sheep. Small Fuzzy, helpless, defenseless, and prone to wander. We used to sing this song at Bible camp. Maybe you did too. I just want to be sheep. I just want to be sheep. Right? I can't sing. Maybe Ellie can come up here and sing it for us sometime. Uh, But I would hear this, and I wonder, is that really want, though? (laughs) Like, in my heart of hearts, do I just want to be a sheep? I'm not so sure. Most of us like to think of ourselves as the captains of our own ships, the masters of our own destinies, right? If you can dream it, you can do it. Oh, the places you'll go. You're in control of your own fate. In other words, from an early age, we're taught to believe not that we're the sheep, but that we're the shepherd. We're in charge We're doing the leading, not being led. And all of this sounds great in a commencement speech or on a Hallmark card. My question is this, how does it play out in real life? Do the washed up marriages, broken dreams, unforeseen tragedies and relapses prove that we are our own masters? Or do they perhaps indicate that there's more to the story, that there are other forces at play? As much as we may rebel against the idea of being a sheep, it's virtually undeniable that all of us, every human being, is led by one shepherd or another, a shepherd of some kind. So it's not a question of of if you have a shepherd. It's, it's more a question of which shepherd are you following. Some of us follow the shepherd of our own hearts, going wherever they lead. The heart wants what it wants, we say, so, you know, just, just follow your heart. It'll never lead you astray. Some of us follow the shepherd of our favorite political party or candidate, going wherever they lead, aligning ourselves with their ideologies, no matter what, and processing all of life through red and blue lenses, 
We let the donkey or the elephant be our guide. And of course, we say our allegiance is to God first. But really, what do our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook posts indicate? How many of them are about Jesus, and how many of them are about politics? See, God and country are not the same thing, and we easily confuse the two, which inevitably results in idolatry. Others of us follow the shepherd of God, not G-O-D, but G-A-D, the great American dream. Big truck, lake home, two-car garage, white picket fence, two-and-a-half kids, both on the honor roll, a nice cushion in the bank account, or maybe the opposite, maybe no cushion at all, because we would rather just go into massive debt than admit that we can't keep up with the Joneses. Some of us chase the approval of others, allowing their opinions to dictate how we live our lives. Some of us chase our dreams. Some of us chase our workout routines or sports schedules, following wherever they lead, regardless of the cost. See, there are no shortage of substitute shepherds out there. Self-help gurus, people like Oprah or Jordan Peterson, 10-step plans, mindfulness apps, diets, right? The list goes on and on and on. But here's the problem with all of these substitute shepherds. And I want you to hear this because this is really important. None of them are motivated by love, and all of them will abandon us in our moment of need. Political parties are motivated by power. Self-help books and diet plans are motivated by profit. And even our own hearts are motivated often by selfishness and self-preservation, right? We want to look out for number one. We want what's best for us and us alone. In other words, maybe we're not the best shepherds after all. But John introduces us to another shepherd here. The good shepherd. And, and what does this good shepherd do? Does he seek his own gain? Does he try to protect himself? Does he abandon his sheep when the wolves come? No. Quite the opposite, in fact. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, that goes way beyond the typical job description for a shepherd, right? I mean, feed the sheep, okay, check. Vaccinate the sheep, check. Uh, put them in the pen at night, check. Uh, die for the sheep. Wait, what? But that's exactly what Jesus does. He loves his sheep so much that when the wolves of sin, death, and the devil close in on us, he steps in to protect us, and he even dies in our place so that we might live. See, the season of Lent is all about focusing our eyes on the cross and orienting our hearts toward it as well. The cross is where Jesus, our good shepherd, laid down his life once and for all for his beloved sheep, paying the penalty for our sins so that we wouldn't have to. And what drove him to it? What was his motivation to take up that rough wooden post, 
to have a crown of thorns pierce his skin, and to have nails pounded through his hands and feet. Romans 5.8 says it like this. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love was the only motivation powerful enough to drive Jesus to the cross. And he did it all for you and for me. And man, there are a lot of other shepherds out there, and they make some pretty enticing promises. But you see, only one shepherd became the lamb. As John proclaims, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Only one shepherd volunteered for the cross and shed his blood to forgive you, save you, and make you free. And Jesus is that good shepherd. Amen. Join us next week as we wrap up our devotional series with Jesus' words, I am the resurrection and the life. Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's pastor K-J-O-L-H-A-U-G at gmail.com. As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen.